You're listening to Cards to the Moon, a podcast about trading cards from both a collector and investor perspective. We hope you'll stick around for the ride as we take a deep dive into the state of the hobby, share some hot takes, hopefully some useful advice and fun stories along the way. Hey guys, welcome to Cards to the Moon. My name is Clark from 5 Card Guys on Instagram and 5cardguys.com. And with me as usual is John, who is trade you at recess on IG. And back again is our buddy Will, who's filling in for Hyung. So for this Friday episode, which is episode 93, I got to interview Warren Lawfer, who is the VP of Business Development of Arena Club, which is the digital platform that Derek Jeter is a part of. I know we talked about Arena Club briefly in one of our past podcast episodes when it first came out, but it was really good to get some more details of how Arena Club works. And honestly, if they can overcome, this is my opinion, the biggest hurdle of any new digital platform, which is to really onboard enough users onto their platform to reach you know, that minimum viable product, I can see Arena Club be very useful for collectors with all the services it offers and especially at its current price point. Anyway, we'll play that interview for you guys in a bit. But off the top for this episode, I wanted to get both your thoughts on another Panini controversy. This time, it's the report that um, I believe the Crown Royale basketball hobby boxes, you, you can know, apparently, which ones come with a Kaboom card hit, right? So I've seen a video testing this theory out, and I'm not sure if you guys have either, but one actually came with a Kaboom based on the serial number. Uh, but another one um, didn't, but it came with a Jalen Green RPA. So it was another huge hit. So maybe it's not completely true, but even if it's partially true, is this an issue collectors should be worried about? Or do you think something like this is a normal occurrence in the hobby and we're just really finding out about it now? Thoughts? I have no idea what to think. <laughs> it could be... <laughs> It could be all, I don't know. I don't know if this is just something that was always happening and mm-hmm. the smart internet sleuths figured it out. Or actually, it was. I think it was the breaker that kind of caught on, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I forget their names, but <clears throat> if if uh, for the listeners, if you haven't seen it, I think if you quickly YouTube um, Kaboom Scandal or whatever, you should probably be able to find it pretty quick. Um, I can't tell if conspiracy theory is true in that this is some big ploy to make all the big breakers you know give them some inside information so that they can be breaking some awesome kabooms on air or for employees to hit them or if it's just panini did another big whoopsie like tops did and forgot to include all all of the hits and last minute had to make a brand new run of product and include hits and then Lo and behold, that huge line of product had a different serial number, and then they just start to jam those into cases, right? Like, I don't know. Maybe it could have been very innocent like that, like stupid innocence, or it could be conspiracy theory, or it could be normal business practice that's been going on for 20 years, and we just kind of caught on now. So I, I, I don't know what to think. It's not a good look. That's the bottom line. Yeah. 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 For sure. I mean, I'm ever the optimist in life 
mm-hmm. for people you who are. know me. Yeah, like I'm just always optimistic and hopeful. Yeah. But I'm also always like aware that if people can get away with something, they're gonna do it. If people can, right. yeah, like I'm never surprised at humanity's ability to screw each other over <laughs> and scam each other. Yeah, I think back to you know when I was 12 years old, going to the card shop and buying loose packs, and I never got to choose the pack. The card shop owner mm. would handed to me from across the glass like uh, enclosure right and i just think like he could he could have known like when you watch some of the breaks like these breakers they know like oh the seventh pack from the bottom is the hit and so if they know that like i'm never surprised i wouldn't be surprised if this was actually something that a lot more breakers were aware of. Mm. And they're probably super pissed now because they're like, why are you exposing <laughs> our secret? You know? Right. So I'm never surprised at that. I like I go to I go to one LCS that I love and I've told you guys offline about this LCS. Yeah. I've ripped 10 hobby boxes from them and up until like last week, I was starting to really really doubt if they were giving me like boxes that they had weighed or somehow they knew there wasn't a case hit because like clark i'm i was like one for ten in hitting autos in a hobby box instead of the uh, patches Uh, but the last box i opened just last this last week from that hot the uh, lcs i got that julio sp so yeah, baby. now I know he's not scamming because <laughs> <laughs> he gave me he gave me that super hot. Or hot he's box, like yeah. he's like, oh, I think Will's suspecting something. Let's just throw <laughs> yeah. one in there for it. Let's finally give, and him he'll one. buy ten more. Yeah, he'll buy so, ten more now. So going back to the whole kaboom scandal, I'm not surprised. Of course, yeah. of course, these people found out how to do it, and of course they were taking advantage. And of course, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm kind of in between. I'm not sure what to believe because, you know, to be fair, the details are scarce and this is kind of a theory. And, um, you know, it's it seems like it's works for one breaker, just that, you know, finding this right serial number can predict where the kabooms are. And then, like I said, I saw another video and it didn't play out that way. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not 100% proof. But, you know... Um, I also agree with Will. Like, if there's a way for people to cheat the system, you're going to always have bad actors. That's just Mm -hmm. kind of human nature, unfortunately, that you're going to have that um, around any industry and the hobby isn't any different. So, and then, you know, like the whole uh, controversy with backyard breaks is Panini giving them loaded, like the timing couldn't be more suspect. And it's kind of playing off each other. It's like, oh, there's a bigger controversy than, you know, like it's just like, for conspiracy theorists this is perfect this is like oh everything makes sense now mm-hmm. but i don't think it's correlated you know in my opinion but it's the timing is couldn't be worse yeah. for panini and you know it'd just be nice for panini i guess maybe they will by the time this airs to say something but you know i've been in the news business for over a decade and usually a no comment or silence doesn't make you look good when you're right. being accused of something right. so they should really say something it's just 
some media advice from a former journalist, Panini, but uh, you should probably put out a statement. Um, and then, you know, kind of things just die over naturally. You know, people just move on. But, you know, if it is true and it was just a practice that's been happening for years, now that people are more aware of it, now that we have something called the internet where news goes by really fast <laughs> and you can share it really quickly, um, maybe you want to change your process a little bit. You know, maybe you want to truly randomize these case hits. You know, and then you won't have this headache in the future. Just my two cents. So we'll see. We'll see how this all plays out. You know, if there's any major updates, we'll uh, we'll talk about it in a future episode. Uh, one more thing I wanted to mention um, before we throw it to the interview. Our last episode, we talked about unlicensed cards like the Prism Baseball Kaboom inserts. And, <laughs> and Will, it looks like you're not the only one who's all for it. We've been getting some feedback. Quick shout out to... I believe his handle is Cosmopolitan underscore Redneck on Instagram, who's with you, Will. And um, Ken Griffey Jr. 24 underscore Collector, who's with John and I. But uh, I love that how it's spurring on conversation about whether unlicensed product is worth it. So just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, one of the great things of being like a repeat guest is that I got to see some of those comments and I got to see some of the you know chatter right. that's going on after the uh podcast got released and that's kind yeah. of the fun part when you get in, when you can start interacting and engaging for sure and it's kind of like how <laughs> i always tell you guys i'll be listening to your podcast while i'm driving and i'm just yeah. wanting to text you and message you or just <laughs> sometimes i'll just throw my own opinion i'll pause the podcast and just throw in my own opinion you know that Which, kind of stuff yeah. and yeah it's it's really fun seeing other people so passionate and i gotta say i love i love that dude who posted <laughs> the uh gold bomb squad yeah. that's that was pretty cool yeah. yeah and uh and for the record will does actually do that he just messages on what our whatsapp chat after he <laughs> listens to the episode <laughs> And just like disagrees with some of our takes and he, he definitely lets us know. So that's yeah. that's 100% true. Um, oh, one last thing. I, f- I forgot to mention an email we got from Sleepy in Seattle about investing in baseball prospects. I actually want to wait till Hyung gets back for um, a podcast episode to weigh in on that topic because I think um, he'll be a good value add for that question. So Sleepy in Seattle, we got your email and we'll address it definitely in the um in a future episode real soon. All right, without further ado, let's play that interview I did earlier today with Warren Lauffer, VP of Business Development at Arena Club. All right, we have another guest on the podcast today. His name is Warren Lauffer, the Vice President of Business Development at Arena Club, which is being billed as the world's first digital card show. If it's the first time you're hearing about Arena Club, you can check them out at arenaclub.com. But it is a digital platform where collectors can grade, collect, buy, sell, trade their cards and display all of them in your own personal online showroom. Uh, we always say on this pod that the more options and the more innovation there is in the hobby, the better. So I'm looking forward to learning more about Arena Club. So with that, Warren, uh, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So uh, I thought before we get right into the details of what Arena Club offers, uh, I was wondering if you could share how you personally got involved in the hobby and then how you came to be part of the Arena Club team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been in the hobby uh, as long as I can remember. Um, okay. I think the hobby is is really broad, which, which is great. Um, and I think like a lot of people, I've dabbled in different parts of it over the last 
20 plus years mm-hmm. um, moving, you know, with the evolution of it. I, I spent time in the memorabilia space. I spent time in the card space. Um, but really my passion for it and my love for it came from being a fan of sports um, and, you know, wanting to be close to to the game and to the players and the teams that I like um, in any way possible. And the hobby mm-hmm. was, you know, one path for that. Um, so I, I've been a collector, like I said, my whole life. Um, I got into, you know, collecting when I was a kid. My dad was a, a collector when he was a kid. Okay. Um, and so we bonded over that. Um, I, I got into kind of the, the business side of it when I was probably a teenager, you know, like a lot of people, it's kind of your first foray into entrepreneurship and, right. um, you know, the, the opportunity to, to buy and sell and trade and, yeah. um, you know, make your mistakes, uh, hopefully <laughs> right. at, at a lower level and learn those and, you know, take those, sure. those with you. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I, you know, when I was in college, when I was, you know, fresh out of college, I was actually working, uh, at Google in the Bay area doing a lot of, you know, the corporate life um, and mm-hmm. had its ups and downs and wasn't really excited by it all the time. But the thing I love to do was collect. And I uh, was fortunate enough to get involved with um, the the folks at MLAM, which is Major League Alumni Marketing. They do a okay. lot of memorabilia sales. Um, and so I, I was fortunate to get to work with Mike Trout a lot nice. um, early on in his career. Yeah. And, uh, you know, selling, dealing in a lot of his memorabilia. Right. Um, and that really kind of instilled in me this idea that I really wanted to be in, in sports and working with, you know, fans and, yeah. and athletes, but really fans. I, I think working with fans is, is a lot more fun. Mm. Um, and so that was kind of my goal. I left Google in 2019 to go to business school with the idea that I really wanted to work on fan innovation as kind of my next career step. Uh, unfortunately, I happened to go to business school right before a global pandemic that really oh, threw a wrench in the fan experience. Yeah. Sure. Um, but I, you know, again, like someone's looking out for me somewhere, but um, was able to do a really cool project with MLAM and Mike Trout in 2020 doing autographs on Project 2020 cards. Oh, sweet. Um, yeah. And that got me back into, you know, deep, deep in the card space. Um, and from that, I got connected um, to a couple partners of mine on the business side, uh, including DJ Ski, who a lot of people know as, mm-hmm. as a card designer. Yeah. Um, and, and we were able to start what we call Mint 10. It's an investment fund um, in the industry where we invest in a lot of the startups in the hobby. Um, you know, a lot of cool. business focused people, I think, oftentimes write off the hobby as whether, you know, childish, immature, what have you. I think any collector has heard those criticisms yeah. at some point. Yeah. Um, but really what we saw there was opportunity because um, we understood it, we loved it, and we saw how many other people loved it and were really passionate about it. Mm. Um, and so a lot of investment opportunity there. Um, so we started investing in technologies in the space. So we invested in Genement, which got acquired by PSA. We invested right. in uh, Knox Technologies, which got acquired by Beckett. Uh, we were early investors in whatnot, um, Center Stage, um, wow, Collects, okay. a lot, yeah, a lot of companies that are yeah, yeah. Kind of, you know building what we think is like the next wave of of um, collectible technology, mm-hmm. um, and, and through that got connected to Brian Lee and Derek Jeter um, at Arena Club, um, and I have had the opportunity to, to kind of help lead the, the business development at Arena Club um, after investing in it, and uh, you know for those of your listeners that, that aren't aware of kind of Brian's business uh, success in the past, he's, you know, just a world-class entrepreneur, mm-hmm. uh, founded LegalZoom, the Honest Company, and Shoe Dazzle. 
Um, and I just, it was a great opportunity to come build something that I was passionate about with yeah. a CEO that also is equally as passionate about collecting, but also has so much to teach me personally about building businesses. Um, mm. And that was kind of how we all got connected to Arena Club. And, uh, you know, along with Derek and the team, we're just starting to get really into building this this awesome new company. Cool. Cool. Yeah. It's amazing hearing all of that. And um, yeah, I wasn't familiar with your background. So that's kind of cool. Are you still with uh, Mint 10? Uh, Mint 10, uh, you mentioned? Yeah. 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 We're, we're still, you know, looking for, for new companies in, in the space. Okay. I think um, obviously, you know, right now with the macroeconomic climate, mm. uh, it's a tough time for a lot of people to, to take risks and, and start new ventures. Um, so we've definitely seen you know, a little bit of a slowdown in the new companies. Sure. But we're always keeping our eyes open. Um, our team at Mintena has, you know, especially with DJ Ski, just so many yeah. great connections um, and ability to, to help propel those new businesses. So always keeping our eyes out there. Cool. Um, yeah, and I thought it was cool that you got to work with Mike Trout. I'm actually, with this down market, things are on the cheap. So I'm aggressively trying to save up for a Mike Trout rookie card right now. So that's that's my goal. Um, it's, a, it's a great time to buy him, I think. I mean, I, think so. I was telling somebody the other day, you know, his last real season was 2019. He won the MVP. Yeah. You know, in 2020, he had a COVID season. Uh, in 2021 and 2022, he was injured. Mm-hmm, so right. you know, if if he ever bounces back to just what his last real season was, yeah. he's an MVP caliber player again. So I think hopefully sure. we'll see those prices go back up too. Uh, yeah, we're thinking the same thing. Okay. Um, so back to Arena Club, uh, you guys are saying that it's the world's uh, first digital card show. Can you explain um, what you guys mean by that exactly? Yeah. So my first big card show that I remember, I went to plenty of little ones, but my big first big one, I think was the 2006 national, something mm-hmm. like that it was in Anaheim. I'm a Southern California native. And I think that was actually the last time the national was in California. Wow, okay. um, but something I always loved doing was going and, you know, being able to experience that, uh, the, the buying and the selling and the trading, I think is, is the mm. piece that I love the most. And um brian very similar like he loves going to shows he's got a 14 year old son that he just loves going to shows with um he's a dollar box kind of guy he loves sort of going through the dollar boxes he loves looking for a deal um and what we realized was that that's a really fun experience for you know a day or two or even a weekend Hmm. then you go home and you're kind of stuck in using the tools that are out there so whether that's eBay or ComC or MySlabs or any of these great platforms, yeah. they all have their limitations. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, for one, you got to wait for a card to be shipped and you got to kind of play with what's happening in the market. And, and you know, a lot can change in even a couple of days yeah, um, sure. that, that happens there. Um, you know, I bought a, I actually bought a card yesterday or tried to buy a card yesterday on eBay. Um, I, I saw the Julio Rodriguez printing plate from Topps Chrome was up. Um, okay. I bought, bought it on auction, won it. Um, got a great deal. Was super excited, and of course, like 20 minutes later, the seller canceled it because yeah. he he also thought I got a great deal. Um, and you know, those are the kinds of things that really frustrate us as collectors. Um, and then you know, the last thing I would say is at a at a show, you get to put out your cards for display. You get everyone gets to see what you collect, how you kind of display your collector personality through your collection. Hmm. And you can trade. I mean, the most natural way of collecting is trading. That's why they're called trading cards. Sure. But we just didn't see a way of doing that in the marketplace. And so we wanted to take that whole card show experience and bring it online. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and so through our vaulting service, people can transact automatically, instantly. You can buy a card in the first quarter of a game. You can sell it in the fourth quarter of a game. Mm, uh, interesting. You can actually be a fan in the way that people collect live instead of having to wait and see what happens. Um, because the cards are vaulted, they have to be to be on the marketplace. Um, although I know that's unpopular with a lot of collectors kind of from an old school way. Right. What it means is when you buy a card, you don't have to worry about somebody canceling that order. You don't have to worry about somebody you know switching it out and sending you something out it's automatic you own it instantly and it's yours to do with what you please Mm. right away um and then the last thing is is the trading i mean like like i said you can't you can't trade on ebay if you want to transact one card for another that you have you're gonna have to go buy that card and then you have to sell yours and there's fees involved there and you, you know you lose this giant portion of it which slowly degrades what you can do with your collection hmm. um so on arena club one of the really important features that that we have that i love is absolute free trading okay so if, if cash doesn't exchange hands so if we just do a one-to-one trade which again i think that's the most natural old school way of collecting yeah. absolutely free no fees um and there, there's only a fee involved if cash is exchanging hands got it that's pretty cool i, I like that feature for sure because uh, um uh, we have a uh, local big local card show coming up here in Toronto where we're based out of and and you're absolutely right I'm, I'm looking to trade first and foremost and then and then buy <laughs> um, secondly but uh, yeah that's great if we could do that on a digital platform um, I guess uh, kind of related to that then is the whole vaulting service like the to be able to trade instantly correct me if I'm wrong all the cards have to be submitted and and stored in arena clubs vault is that is that correct yeah, that's right. And that's, you know, when we started Arena Club, we spent a lot of time trying to think of, is there another way to do this? Mm. Uh, we, we got all the way into, uh, you know, self-destructing slabs. We, we really went down every <laughs> wow, you know, okay. path here. You know, what happens if somebody does something fraudulent? Can you like actually do anything there? Um, and whether it was a technology thing or a legal thing, right. um, it just, you know, this is really the way to, to secure those transactions and make sure that it works properly. You know, whether if you're going to go buy a house, if you're going to go buy um, something of value, you have an escrow service, mm, uh, but that takes time and all of that. I mean, we didn't want to be an escrow service. Those things exist already. Yeah. We wanted to allow people to collect, you know, automatically. And in doing that, we understood there's a lot of drawbacks. You know, people want to hold their cards. People want to sure. feel them, see them, look at them all the time. And so the way we kind of made up for that was we built what we think is the best collecting platform. I don't, really, I don't know if you've had time to explore it, but you mm-hmm. can hold your card, you can zoom in, you can move them around, you can display all of them. We're really trying to take that real world experience and bring it to life as much as we can through technology. Yeah. But at the same time, they have to be that vaulted way um, in order for them to transact. Um, But there's, you know, there's benefits there too. I I don't know if you've ever had the misfortune of your cards being stolen or lost or anything like that, but definitely not. But yeah, I know others that have for sure. Yeah. I've I've had that issue plenty of times. And and one of the stories that, that Derek Jeter likes to, tell you know it's a sad story but uh he had a huge collection himself um and he stored it at his parents house while he was oh, playing and boy. uh they had a flood uh, mm. and he lost his entire collection and so you know our vault is safe it's secure it's insured it's waterproof it's earthquake proof it's fireproof 
Um, okay. And so it allows people that peace of mind to make sure that they can collect and transact um, safely. And then, of course, you know, if they do want to pull those cards out, they can pull those cards out. Um, we're not saying, you know, you can't have your cards in person. It's just in order to transact on the platform, in order to ensure that security, got it. it's got to be in the vault. Yeah, makes sense to me. Um, and one thing about one more thing about vaulting. I know, um, obviously, it's it's a service that you guys offer. Is there um, a fee associated with it? And um, yeah, do you accept? Uh, and this kind of ties in with the next question. I know Arena Club's also um, looking into the grading aspect of the business, which is, I'm sure you know, it's very highly competitive. But um, uh, is it just Arena Club graded cards, or is it all graded cards that you can store in your vaults? Yeah, great question. So we accept. Uh, our own grades, which I can touch on in a second, yeah. as well as uh, PSA, Beckett, SGC, and CSG graded cards. Okay. Um, and again, this all goes back to wanting to mimic a card show in as many ways as possible while keeping mm. our users secure and safe. Right. So, you know, the, the reason that we accept those four graded companies is, you know, when you go to a card show, you're going to look at a table and any dealer might have, you know, they might have one graded company, but more than likely they're going to have a couple of different For card sure. graded companies. Yeah. Um, and we want people to be able to collect that way. It's, you know, it's not a realistic ask for you to say, Hey, if you want to collect on arena club, you need to crack all of your PSA <laughs> slabs, right? That's not how I collect. It's not how Brian collects. And it's not how any of these people mm -hmm. collect. And it just isn't the right way of building a tool for collectors. Um, that said, if you're at a show, there's also going to be raw cards. Um, and that's where our grading comes into play. Okay. Um, we, we've had our own frustrations with grading. Um, I think anybody that collects has had their own frustrations mm -hmm. at some point. Um, but, but one of the places that we saw, you know, even more frustrations was buying raw cards, whether that's on eBay or ComC or, or what have you. Um, it's difficult to get that full transparency when you're buying raw cards. Yeah. Um, and, we wanted to allow for that and we wanted to give people the guardrails or, you know, the, the bowling lane bumpers, if you will, of, of how to do that. Mm. Um, and so we thought that there was a better way than the solutions that were out there too. So um, we paired up with Gio Lee, who's world's expert in computer vision. She's a professor at Stanford. Mm -hmm. We built out our own transparent grading software um, that allows for people to grade with arena club. Um, gives them fully transparent uh, grading reports into the issues and, and it allows you know new collectors to come on and see those guardrails because we have a little bit more transparency than traditional grading companies in that um, right. but really when we think about this it's about not just you know those of us that are day in day out in the hobby right now but who else do we want to bring in because I think the more people that can get a glimpse of why we do this and why we love this the more mm. people that are also going to fall in love with it we really believe that agreed so you know we want that first i'll start with why do we accept those four grading companies those are the four grading companies we've been able to do our diligence on and, and we'll probably add more grading companies outside of those long term mm, okay but if you're a new user you're not a collector you don't maybe have all the knowledge base of you know how do these companies differ what's their history what are you know maybe some of the issues whatever we don't want someone to come in buy something and then find out about an issue later on right and be worried about you know that's their first foray into the hobby because if you have a bad experience with your first foray into the hobby mm -hmm. you're probably not going to come back sure. you know and so 
on that side, we wanted to make sure that raw cards, you and I probably could spend some time at a show looking at a raw card, figuring out the details of it, any issues. But, you know, a new collector might not have that education, might not have that skill set. And so that's why our tools within our grading report are built out to educate and really give people the guardrails to do that due diligence themselves. But we really want new collectors to understand what they're looking at. So if they're looking at edges, um, rather than just seeing a subgrade for the edge, we want to be able to highlight and zoom in on exactly what that issue is right. so that they can educate themselves and they can become better collectors and more knowledgeable collectors. Okay. So just to be clear then, with the raw cards that are submitted arena club can grade those and put them in their own slab and then and then any collector can look at the report i guess that's associated with uh with that grade totally yep so so we have two options um for that you can do a grade and return service which we have which is like a traditional grading right. service you get a slab back you know in the mail um the other option is to grade in vault um which basically means you grade and you put it up on our marketplace and you have it in your digital showroom Okay. The grading of the cards is exactly the same. And the grading report is exactly the same. If you do it up on your showroom, then it's part of the overall experience of that card in your showroom. Right. Um, once you have that card returned to you, there's just a QR code on the back of our slab. You can scan mm -hmm. it with your smartphone and it takes you to that grading report. Yeah. You can zoom in on your smartphone and see all of those details. Um, and I just want to get back really quick to a question that you kind of jumped off here. And I think I glanced over, which is the, the cost associated right, with right. vaulting. Um, so vaulting right now, uh, as part of our launch promotion is completely free. So wow, anyone okay. that wants to send PSA, SGC, BGS, uh, or CSG slabs to us to have up on our marketplace, totally free. Cool. Uh, we have a, we have a per order withdrawal fee. So it's not a per card, but per order withdrawal mm. fee. Uh, and right now that's $25 uh, okay. plus shipping and insurance. So that means, you know, whether you're pulling one card out or a hundred cards out, hmm. you're going to pay a $25 fee um, yeah. and then plus shipping insurance. And really what that covers is um, there's labor involved in going to the vault, pulling that out, right. shipping, packaging that up. Um, and that just basically makes sure that we can cover those labor costs. Yeah, sounds fair for sure. Uh, just uh, another thing about grading then, you know, the one, one of the issues with collectors, especially when the hobby was super hot, was it takes forever to get certain cards graded from certain grading services. Uh, just on average, how long would it, it take to grade a, a card via Arena Club? And um, are the fees kind of similar to the other grading services that are offered currently? Yeah, uh, great, great two questions. Um, but uh, so I'll start with the first one. Our, we have a guaranteed return time of 30 business days, okay. which is a little over a month. Um, and that, that is either from the time that we receive it to the time that it's up in your digital showroom mm -hmm. or from the time we receive it to the time we ship it out to you. Right. Um, you know, shipping times can vary. We have users all around the world. And obviously, you know, if we're shipping something to New Zealand, Australia, it's right. going to take a little bit longer. Sure. Um, and then on the second part, um, no, our fees are flat. Um, and mm. that's, that was really important to us as collectors. Um, you know, there is something weird about the idea that if we grade a card higher, you know, then we charge a higher fee that, that incentive structure seemed disaligned to us and, and not something that was good for, uh, our users, our collectors, mm. the hobby in general. Um, so, you know, it doesn't matter the value of the card. It doesn't matter what we grade it. 
you pay the fee, you pay it up front. Um, and that means, you know, we don't have to worry about some of those backend issues too of, uh, you know, suddenly you get hit with a massive upcharge when you right. find out your car graded, what have you, or, yeah, you know, yeah. some of the bulk submitter issues that we've seen over the last couple of years, you know what you're paying straight up. We know what you're paying straight up and there's yeah. no changes to that um, at all. There's no incentive structure there. There's no issue there for us. Nice. Nice. I like to hear that. We are, we're pretty, uh, We've been critical in the past on this podcast with some grading services doing that those kind of practices, but I'm glad to hear uh, Arena Club is um, um, not doing that. Uh, one aspect of Arena Club that I think is fairly unique um, uh, is the feature of displaying your collection in an online showroom. I, I kind of uh, had an opportunity to kind of look through the website, and it looks pretty clean. Um, just wanted to get your thoughts on what the idea was behind that, and I guess you already kind of mentioned it because you wanted to... Is it part of um, wanting to create this uh, live card show kind of experience? Yeah, exactly. So, okay. you know, I, the different, I mentioned, I, you know, going to the national when I was, you know, probably four, 13, 14 years old, mm. the difference between a national then and a national now is the line between who's a buyer and who's a seller uh, has become so blurred, right? It's yeah. You have somebody right. with a table, but you're buying and selling on both sides of that table. Whereas yeah. versus 20 years ago, it was very clear. The person behind the table set the price and the person in front of it paid that price. Right, right. Um, we've come so long, so far in the hobby over the last 20 years where everyone's buying, selling, trading. Um, and so the showroom idea is just like you would have a table at a card show, your mm -hmm. showroom is, is, is what you collect. You can have, you know, and you can describe different pieces of it. So you can think of each one of your collections as a showcase, you know, those glass cases that, that people have at uh, shows or, you know, or your case of cards. And right. you can say, look, you can tell by my, my uh, showroom. If you look at my showroom, like Mike Trout is my favorite baseball player. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, my dad was a collector in LA in the 60s of, of the Dodgers, especially of Sandy Koufax. Um, so I also, in my showroom, I have 1950s and 60s Dodgers cards. That's something cool. that's really important to me to collect. My child's really important to me to collect. But I also have a bunch of cards that I'd rather just get rid of and liquidate and right. get to spend that money on something else. So I have a, a $5 slab box. I have a $10 slab box. Just trying to really uh, emulate that show experience in whatever mm. way a collector would want to do that, whether it's a PC showcase, whether it's a for sale, for trade showcase, um, trying to allow them to do that through the showroom and being able to uh, really individualize it and make it their own. Okay. So for the online showroom, then you can, you can separate which, which um, ones you want to sell, which ones are your PC that you're just, just showing off kind of thing. Is that how it works? Yep, totally. So in every single, so in, within a showroom, we have what are called, called collections okay. um, and, and you can add a header to each one and, you know, it's Got totally it. up to you how you want to do that. Um, some people say, you know, this is PC. Some people say, you know, I, you know, make me an offer. Some people say, you know, these are for trade. Mm. Um, some people say, you know, every every card in this specific collection is $20. Um, you right, know, right, however right. you want to do it, just like, you know, anybody at a card show. Again, we really want to be that digital online card show. Um, and so we didn't want to be too uh strict about how we let collectors show off and display what they're doing we really want to allow them to shine through their individualism as collectors in the platform cool cool
Cool. We always ask this because we're based out of Canada and a lot of the action still happens in the US. And, you know, a lot of our listeners for our podcast, 90% of them are in the States as well. So I'm sure this is very useful. But um, are you guys reaching out to international markets? I know that's an issue for some platforms still, but uh, yeah, where, where's Arena Club uh, with that? Yeah, um, it's a great question. Right now, in order to ship cards, you need a US shipping address if we're gonna return cards. Okay. But anyone can transact, and we think that's great because you can transact even if you don't have a US shipping address. Um, we, we're opening up more and more countries, but right now, you know, most English speaking countries, because that's where our customer support specialties are right now. Right. Uh, so we have users in Australia, we have users in New Zealand, Canada, um, the UK. Um, I'm trying to think off the, we have, we have a couple in France, um, mm. and, and that allows people to transact and, you know, really opens up the ability to transact because they're able to store their cards just online. Right, right, right. Um, there is, of course, you know, that challenge long term, but most of these users do have either a reshipping service or something, uh, a yeah. friend that they can ship to if they want to withdraw their cards in the US. Mm -hmm. uh, long term, we're trying to, to allow more and more people to be able to uh, withdraw directly. Okay. But right now, we're accepting send in cards from around the world. We have users from around the world transacting in terms of payments and everything like that. We use Stripe as our payment provider. Mm -hmm. um, and so most countries around the world are supported through Stripe payments, um, which has allowed us to really expand globally. Okay, cool. A couple more questions. You know, I think for a lot of our listeners, Arena Club is a fairly new business and, and um, you know, some collectors might be hearing about the company really for the first time, but I'm sure many of them know who Derek Jeter is. You mentioned his name a couple of times already. Can you share how he's involved with Arena Club? Yeah, so Derek, uh, Derek's been a lifelong collector. I mean, like I said, he... He grew up a fan. Um, he mm -hmm. obviously had an amazing baseball career, and 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 now he's had an amazing sports business career. You know, with through a variety of things, um, mm -hmm. whether it's ownership or retail um, or now Arena Club. Um, but but he and Brian have known each other for for quite a while, and um, they were kind of playing around with this idea of what's the next phase of collecting. How do we collect? And like I I mentioned, Derek had. Uh, a, a sad story around the flood right. in Michigan and losing his cards. Um, and Brian had had some frustrations in transacting, uh, you know, through different other platforms. Um, but what they both kind of share is a common love of collecting and then a common love of, you know, being around people. Um, I think that's one thing that people that only, maybe only watch Derek on the field don't understand of like hmm. how good of a people person he is. He, can talk to anyone. Uh, he can laugh with anyone. He can laugh at anyone. I've been the target of a couple of jokes from him. Um, but they they wanted to build something for collectors and for fans. Um, you know, Derek had a, an experience as a player with fans. Brian, you know, and the rest of us have been fans our whole life. Um, and so they kind of came together to build that. And so um, hmm. Derek has kind of been involved from the beginning in helping us, you know, design that customer experience. Uh, in, in crafting, you know, his own collection. Um, and, and we're looking forward to having Derek at a number of card shows coming up. Um, I think the ones that are kind of on the calendar right now are going to be the Mint Collective in Vegas, possibly right. uh, the, na the National in Chicago, without a doubt. Of course. Um, and, and yeah, so people are definitely going to have a lot of opportunities to, to see Derek in person and talk to him about his collection. Um, but, the, but I mean, one of the best things about it right now is 
everyone of your listeners can go look at his collection. It's on on Arena Club. Oh, cool. Um, and I think people are really enjoying, you know, buy, selling, and trading with him. Um, <laughs> although I, I would give everyone a word of warning that um, the competitive nature of Derek <laughs> as a baseball player has come over uh, as a collector. Okay. Um, and so he he is a tough negotiator. Right. Uh, he he Fair. Uh, he actually took my phone out of my hand when we were in New York for the launch and rejected an offer because, <laughs> uh, in his words, you never accept the first offer. Um, okay. so, so I think uh, some, some, some people have uh, have gotten some offers accepted. Some people have gotten offers rejected. Um, but he's got a cool collection. He's always kind of adding new things. I think um, his like big uh, collections are, are Dave Winfield and Reggie Jackson, kind of two of his sure. boyhood heroes. Uh, and I know he also likes to collect uh, Yankee captains. So he's got some Thurman Munson cards. Hmm. Um, so a lot, nice. a lot of things out there. And he's obviously a, a big Michigan football fan. So if people are okay. looking to make trades with him, um, you know, Michigan football players, whether it's, you know, Charles Woodson, Tom Brady, um, a lot of options for people to, to send him trade offers. Nice. Thanks but, for that. But they, they should know he's competitive and he's probably <laughs> going to be a really tough negotiator. <laughs> I was going to say, thanks for that insight about how Jeter uh, negotiates. So uh, I'm going to just give him like a throwaway first offer and then uh, I'll send him the real offer the second or third time. <laughs> Maybe. You gotta, yeah, you got you to gotta see how he plays the game. He's, <laughs> okay. a, he's, a, he's a tough one. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. All right. Uh, last question. Um, we've been talking about this on our uh, podcast, Cars to the Moon, a lot lately, uh, as, as I'm sure the rest of the sports card content creators have been. But we're in this bear market right now. And, and I'm just wondering, you know, uh, yourself as the VP of business development, how, how have you found um, trying to build Arena Club uh, during this time? And, and just curious, what kind of outlook do you have for the next year or two for the hobby in general and even for Arena Club specifically? Yeah, I mean, people like to talk about this this bear market, but um, I think it's about collect like very very much separating yourself from that money aspect of it. It's mm -hmm. you know, it's one of the things that like it's tough to do. You know, I spent my career um, it, a lot of it in in the card world and the memorabilia world, mm -hmm. but I think people need to remember why they do this. Um, and if you're just doing it for the money, you're gonna you're gonna lose eventually. Um, right. And you know. So I think we have to separate ourselves from that. If, if you're collecting what you love and you're collecting it because you're having fun doing it, or you know you're having a fun shared experience with with your friends, with your family, with your loved ones, then you know a dip in the prices is a great thing, sure. right? It means that you can go buy that thing we were just talking about. It. It means you can go buy that Mike Trout card you right. want um, yeah. that that was maybe unattainable, uh, you know, a few months ago or a few years ago, um, and so. I see, you know, I see the fluctuations in prices as, as just part of this industry. Um, you know, it's it's not just this industry. You can look at the stock yeah. market. You can look at, right. Uh, right. you know, any number of things. We're we're going through, you know, a tough time right now in, in economics, and um, that you know that might mean that some people have less money to spend on hobbies and things like that. But I'm not focused as much on, on those prices as I am about you know, having people have a good experience. Um, so I think, you know, the great thing about collectibles is yes, there's million dollar cards, you know, there's now there's $10 million cards, mm -hmm. um, but there's 25 cent cards, there's dollar cards, there's $5 cards. Sure. Um, and it, you can find something that fits your budget and you can find something that fits your risk tolerance and something that fits your, the experience you're looking for. 
Um, mm. And it doesn't have to be something that's crazy expensive or crazy risky. It can be something that's, you know, that means something to you personally. It means something to somebody you love personally. And if you focus on that, then these fluctuations in price don't mean much. And, and to the second part of your question, building Arena Club, if we focus on the people that do this because they love it and the people that are going to weather the, you know, the broader economic storms because they're not just doing it for the money, they're doing it because they enjoy it and they're going to keep doing it, you know, mm-hmm. come hell or high water, then that's exactly the kind of user that, that we're building for. Um, you know, you can trade your cards. If you're sitting on cards that you can't sell right now or you're maybe, you know, you've lost some money on or right, lost right. some value on. Why don't you go trade those for something that, that you are passionate about um, and, you know, with, with our free vaulting and with mm-hmm. being able to put, um, you know, the slabs that you already have there, it allows people, I think, to consolidate and, and really move into things that they are passionate about. And I think, you know, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that I get distracted sometimes when, or I've been distracted over the last couple of years when these prices have gone crazy of, you know, maybe chasing certain cards that I had no interest in personally. And, you know, I was mm-hmm. just kind of chasing that dollar. But I think now is a great time to like kind of get back to why people are doing this. And, you know, if you're sitting on, I don't know if I want to throw someone on the bus, I'm going to do it. If you're sitting on a bunch of Mac Jones cards, okay. you, know, that you maybe you know, paid a little bit too much or some bold sure. cards that you maybe paid a little bit too much on, take a second and, and consider why you got into collecting to begin with. Hmm, and yeah. maybe it's time that you can go trade those, you know for something and yeah maybe it's a little bit of a loss financially but if you mm-hmm. can get back to why you did it originally then i think that's a win for for collectors and i think for us trying to really build that next evolution of collecting online that's a win for arena club too nice great uh yeah love hearing that and and uh just echoes with what we believe on the pod like we always say on our show collect what you love and and it's hard to lose that way so um so yeah th- uh, warren thanks uh for your time again really appreciate it and then, like i mentioned before it's always great to see uh, more businesses and more innovators coming into the hobby and investing in it so good luck to you guys thank you thanks for having me hey thanks for listening to cards to the moon We'd really appreciate you subscribing to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can also connect with each of us on Instagram at 5cardguys, or you can follow Hyung at Integrity Sports Cards, or John at TradeU at Recess. You can also check us out at 5cardguys.com. Thanks again, and hope to connect soon.